What makes a great leader great? How do we create a high-performing team? And when we say leader, we mean everyone, because everyone is leading their own life. Will yours be a life by design or a life by default? Those are the big questions, and this podcast will answer them. Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast, where we help you apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, because great leaders will produce great results. All right, friends, welcome back to the Becoming Your Best podcast. This is your host, Rob Schallenberger. And today, (laughs) we have a good friend and an amazing leader who has done so much to influence the lives of others. And, you know, I watch, you get a sense of people's character. You get a sense of who they are just by watching them. You know, on social media, they post or share thoughts, pictures, and you can get a sense of where someone's priorities are by what they're doing, by their background, their history. And so I'd like to welcome Jeff Burningham to the show today, and I'm going to let him give a little bit of his background but maybe I'll just give a, a high-level overview and say some things that he may not say. <laughs> and then we're going to get into some details because Jeff is one of those people that just has an incredible amount of background, experience, and really a wealth of ideas that would benefit so many people. So I'm grateful that he's taken the time to come today. And so, Jeff, first of all, welcome to our show. Yeah. Rob, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And congrats on your success with the podcast. And it's awesome. Well, so let me give you the high level of Jeff. When I first came across Jeff, what I found was someone who had been very successful in business. And I'm like, okay, this is a guy to watch. And he had built some businesses, sold some businesses. He started a company that invests in different organizations and, and helps them get going. And so he's invested in quite a few different companies. Recently and more recently for the state of Utah, he ran for governor. And of course, COVID hit and that throws you know a big wrench into everything. And And I've had the chance to visit with him several times. He came and spoke to our mastermind group of coaching clients. And we've had the chance just to visit in our office and different places. And I've been so impressed with Jeff, both as a person, with his vision, and just his desire to do good and impact others. So with that being said, there's the high level. Jeff, if you don't mind, just take a couple of minutes and give our listeners a little background on who you are. Well, I appreciate that, Rob. Thanks. That was, you know, too kind. But I'm a dad, you know, like a lot of people <laughs> out there. I'm, I have four lovely children, ages 19 to 9. So we're three boys and a girl. So I'm a dad, number one, and a husband. I come from, a, I'm the oldest of six kids. I grew up in Spokane, Washington. I've kind of, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. In fact, I remember one day during the summer, I think I was 12 or 13 years old, there was a knock at our door and it was a door-to-door salesman. My mom answered the door. I remember kind of overhearing the conversation a little bit and it was uh, someone trying to sell a carpet cleaner. My mom said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. And I said, wait, mom, <laughs> you know, like, let's, uh, let's buy this carpet cleaner and I'll start cleaning, you know, we live across from our elementary school. So I'll start cleaning, you know, the elementary school, preschool, dentist, doctors on carpets so that I can, I love basketball. I love, grew up playing basketball and was starting to go to tournaments at that time, travel tournaments and things like that. And we really, as the oldest of six kids, that was hard to do. So I've, so I convinced my mom to buy the carpet cleaning business and I started cleaning, uh, carpets as a 13 year old. So anyways, I've I've always been a, 
Yeah, I've always been a self-starting entrepreneur. That's just kind of in my DNA and nature and background. And, and like you said, I, I started a tech company as an undergrad at BYU um, when I was 25 or 26 years old, sold that to a NASDAQ-listed company, and then, then have started several other companies, as you said, and, and have really enjoyed being an investor here in Utah, especially in the early stage. I think that I've invested in nearly 100 startups here along the Wasatch Front or in the Silicon Slopes and uh, backing those great entrepreneurs that have created, you know, thousands and thousands of jobs has been really cool. And then I ran for governor. So I lost my <laughs> mind and uh, went into politics. So anyways, yeah, that, I don't know. That's, that's my background. I really do think of myself first and foremost as a dad and a family guy, but I'm an entrepreneur an investor and a former athlete and, also try to do quite a bit of philanthropy as well. So that's what I'm up to. Which is why I wanted to have you on the show, Jeff. I mean, like I said, I've watched you and I've seen the impact that you've had on the world. So I really want to touch on three areas because each of us, each of us listening has different experiences we've learned in life. You know, each of us by the end of our life could write a book or give a discourse of our lessons learned through life. And so I really want to talk about your lessons learned in three different areas. Number one is an entrepreneur. What are some lessons that you've learned through your life as an entrepreneur that were impactful to you that were important. Number two, as a governor, or not as a governor, but in that you know gubernatorial race that you're in, what lessons did you learn? What was that experience like as you went through that running for governor? Number three, is just general life lessons learned. What have you learned along the way? What's helped you? What hasn't? Whether it's with your family, personally, whatever. So I'd really like to touch on those three areas primarily, just because I know you have a wealth of experience and background. So maybe starting with the entrepreneur side of things, Jeff, what are some of your greatest lessons learned along the way? You know, as you've built your own businesses, if you've, you've invested in others, what are some of the most important things that you've seen that will help make a business or an entrepreneur or a team successful? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's not an easy one to answer because there's a, a lot of keys and important ideas and thoughts. Let me share a couple with you. And the first, the first overarching thought that I have is that almost always the best teams win. So your job as an entrepreneur or as a CEO or a founder is to not only, you know, have a good business plan to lead, to share the vision, et cetera, but it's really to rally the very best team that you can around you because no one wins alone and no one really loses alone either. You know, I think that life and certainly business is a team sport. And so the best teams almost always win. So I tell my entrepreneurs that their biggest job or founders or CEOs, your biggest job is to recruit the very best people that you possibly can. That's your number one job is to lay out a compelling enough vision that you can rally and recruit and hire some of the best and brightest. So it's all about people. It's all about the team. And like I said, more often than not, the best teams win. And so it's about recruiting and finding the best team. That's the first idea that comes to me. Second, this is a little more nuanced and maybe a little different, but there is an urgency in entrepreneurship. I like urgent leaders. And what I mean by that are leaders that are about getting things done. They do not wait for things to happen. They do not overanalyze things. They make things happen. They're urgent in their leadership. And 
you know, that can sometimes when you're being led like that can be hard. It can be stressful. It can be frustrating or grating at times, but it's really those urgent leaders in the early days that can get creative and amazing things off the ground. And you need that urgency. I've often, when I've talked to entrepreneurs, spoken about kind of when you're a founder, you're like pushing a rock up the hill. And if you're never not pushing, it's kind of pushing back on you and everything is going against you in the early stage of entrepreneurship. And so I've found that leaders that are urgent, especially in the early days, get things done. What's funny, it's funny, Rob, it's kind of the opposite of government. It's like literally the polar opposite of government. It's the urgent entrepreneurs things happen and get things done, and, and government does not function like that, as you know, and as we all observe and see. That's an interesting, I guess, kind of takeaway. I'm biased to product CEOs, meaning that I have to invest in CEOs that understand their product and have had a role in building it. I also don't like investing in solo founders. This is very hard to do, and it's very hard to do alone. So kind of going back to my first thought, it's really important to me to invest in at least a partnership or a couple of entrepreneurs that are going for something together. Again, life is a team sport. You don't do anything alone. So to me, it's all about, all about the team. That's, that's the biggest kind of idea or thought that sticks out to me. So here's a quick question for you. And I love what you just said about partnerships. I'm talking with a, a lady right now about a, an incredible business that she's building. And man, there's so much value in a partnership, isn't there? But actually, let's just talk yeah, about that for a second. Why? You just said you don't like the solopreneur versus the partnership. Why? What's the difference that you see there? Yeah, and I'm speaking from a venture capital perspective or from an investing perspective. It's just so hard to do it on your own. It's an echo chamber and you need, you know, no person has all the strengths that they need. Um, every person has a, a unique basket of strengths and a unique basket of weaknesses. And the best partnerships, in my opinion, are, are like this. Number one, you partner with someone that has the same baseline ethics as you. So if, you know, you've got to agree on the baseline ethics, you've got to see the world in a somewhat similar way in terms of ethics and honesty and integrity, et cetera, et cetera. I think that that's really important. But then secondly, you need to be really self-aware. You need to understand your own personal strengths and weaknesses. And you need to partner with someone that can buttress your weaknesses where, you know, one plus one equals three instead of two, you know, where the, the whole is better than the sum of the parts. And that that's where the magic really is, is when you, Partner with someone that has the same kind of baseline ethics as you do, that sees the world in a way that you can agree with, that, that you're going to build a business in a certain way with integrity, et cetera. But then this is a person that's very different than you. They have a different skill set. They complement your weaknesses. And again, I think that's where kind of the magic starts is when you have two opposites in terms of skill set that can come together on a shared vision and row. And, and like I said, you know, in this kind of example, the two partners, you know, one plus one equals three instead of two. That's the kind of partnership that I look for when I'm starting a business, which I, you know, I've started several a lot and, or when I'm investing in an up and coming company, that's certainly something that I look for as well. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Thanks for sharing that, Jeff. Here's one more question before we move on to the, you know, your governor race experience and then your life experience. You mentioned people and you kind of already touched on this. When you look for people, you know, the right people, you said it's all about the people, which I 100% agree with you. This is what we're all about in our company is training the people. You mentioned that getting things done is one of the key things that you look for. Is there anything else that you look for in people in general? Say you're going to hire someone or bring them onto the team. What are you looking for in people? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the founder or CEO is maybe a, a different personality than someone that you're just kind of looking to hire or bring on the team. In a founder, like I said, I like urgent founders. There's an urgency to entrepreneurship. There's a pace that I think really serves a startup well in the early days. By the way, that pace may not be such a service when the business is scaled up and grown, but in the early days, it really is. Secondly, like I said, I like an, a CEO or founder who understands the product or has had a hand in kind of building the product. So certainly those are two things kind of in a startup scenario. In terms of just hiring in general, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of research around hiring and around how people make judgments. And we are bad. At, we're poor judges sometimes of what we need or who might be best for a position. So I always like to actually talk to them when I interview. I would say that a lot of my interviews are around the soft skills. They're around people skills, communication, how you handle stress how you deal with hard times, how resilient are you, you know, are you able to bounce back from failure? Because we all really, you could say that life is just kind of bouncing from one failure or learning experience to another. And so (laughs) how do you respond to that? It's something that I always try to ferret out and I try to get to the root of a person. One of the favorite questions that I ask is if you're, you know, can other with you, your mom or your dad, how would they describe you, Rob? Like pick three words. How would they describe you? And I like that because it gets to kind of the heart of maybe who a person is. And if I understand, I understand what I'm looking for. If I really understand who this person is at their heart or in the root of who they are, I think it's helpful to understand that in, in terms of hiring and and different needs that you might be for. So that's a question that I think is interesting. I like to ask and, and it's helpful. How would your spouse, your significant other, whoever knows you best, your brother, your mom, your dad, if they had three words to describe Rob Schallenberger, how would they describe you? By the way, Rob, how would they describe <laughs> you? What are the three words yeah. that describe you? Like what's at the root of who you are? I'm curious. You know, it's funny because as you asked that question, I was already thinking about the answer in my mind, thinking, what would they say? And I think they would probably say <laughs> focused, driven, and results-oriented. That's cool. Yeah, those are good. See, so like that gives me a good sense of who you are. You know, you're, you're very focused, and you're going to be driven for results, which I, I'm a very similar person. And sometimes those types of people can butt heads, and so it's good to understand kind of What's at the root or the heart of someone, I think. And anyway, there's some thoughts or ideas on hiring. But, man, it's not easy. While life is and startups all, you know, they all, it is all about people, it is not easy. I've had bad partners. I've had 
bad hires that have not, it's been my fault. I have not hired the right person. I have not put this person in a place to succeed. It was my bad judgment that kind of put us in a bad spot. But, you know, life's about learning. We kind of bump from one failure or one learning experience to another. And I think it's it's about how we react to those, how we get better yeah. from those. And that's a key important thing to try to understand, I think, especially in the early stages. I totally agree with you, Jeff. I mean, I th- number one, we've all hired the wrong person or had them in the wrong seat on the bus, if you will, at some point. We've all done that. Yeah. And number two, I love what you said. You know, life is about bouncing from failure to failure and learning lessons along the way. That's kind of why we're here, right? There's no, there's only one perfect person and that's definitely not us. (laughs) So let's go to the next. We're learning. Yeah, that's the whole point of being here in mortality, right? So let's go to the governor side of things. You know, you you entered this governor race and I've got to say, first of all, for anybody to throw their hat in the public ring like this, Man, number one, there's got to be a, a strong personal vision to do that. And number two, getting in that arena, man, that's not an easy place to be because you know you're going to get stuff from both sides. And it's, I don't want to say it's a no-win scenario, but there's, you know, there's so much going on out there that no matter what you do, <laughs> there's going to be people that, that come after you from both sides. And so I'd just be curious. You, know, you got your hand in that. You were in it. You went throughout the entire state of Utah. You met so many people along the way. What were some of your lessons learned from that experience? I mean, what was the experience like in general? Yeah, it was a really interesting experience. I felt like I needed some disruption just personally. Like I needed to change things up. I've been an entrepreneur since my undergrad days, like I said, so for about the last 20 years, the first 20 years kind of of my career. And I felt like um, I needed to disrupt myself a little bit and do something totally different. And man, running for governor was different. And it was honestly the hardest thing I've ever done. Hmm. It's like a startup in a lot of ways, just because you're starting with nothing. You're, you know, creating a vision and a mission. You're, you know, getting a team together. Um, You know, so there are, there are some differences though. It is very public, like you said, especially in the early days of a startup, there are not people like gunning for you or kind of trying to take you down. And that's not necessarily the case in politics. Kind of right from the beginning, especially when you're viewed as a kind of a potential threat or someone from the outside, there are a lot of roadblocks that are put in your way. So anyways, the biggest thing I learned though, and I did, I traveled all across the state of Utah and I met thousands and tens of thousands of great people. And that is the biggest learning. I can't wait, Rob, for November 5th. The election's November 4th, right? The, the presidential election, I think, in November 4th. I'm excited for November 5th because November 5th is when we get back to just the secret sauce in the state of Utah is the people. The secret sauce in the recipe of success in the United States or in the world, it's all about the people. And so it's not really about our government leaders, although those leaders are important and and play a big role. It's about the people. And so as I got out across every county in Utah and as I met people, I was just inspired. I was just moved. And it it really led me. I started a podcast, I think, as you know, a couple um, a month or so ago. It's called Us. And it's all about the people that I met running for governor and trying to just share inspiring stories about people 
and the exciting things that they're doing. So that, that's the number one thing is, is it's about the people. And I don't believe that the end of the world is coming no matter who's elected on November 4th. I believe that the people in the United States of America are the strength and the secret sauce. And it's really about strong families and about the people. So that's, that's the number one lesson. Secondly, like I, something that I didn't appreciate, Rob, before I ran for governor, that was there's a huge, like, industry, you know, around government that was unfamiliar to me. Again, I'm an entrepreneur coming from the private sector. I have my network is other entrepreneurs and other business leaders, you know, in the state and around the world. I didn't understand this big government infrastructure, the big government, like this industry that was created around government. And so I found myself in a new playing field and it was not easy in a short period of time to discern, you know, good players from bad players, people that had your best interest at heart and maybe those who did not. And so that was hard. That was really hard to come in totally fresh and new. I've been involved in politics for a couple of decades here in Utah, just tangentially as a, you know, as a precinct chair. And then I've raised quite a bit of money for other candidates, but I had never run for office. So to run for the the biggest position in our state and to be put into a new environment and kind of a whole new network, that was something that I didn't appreciate and understand and was harder than maybe I expected it to be. What else to that? Number three, you got to have thick skin. Social media can be an <laughs> yeah. ugly place and you've got to have thick skin. One of the people, I, I spoke to kind of all of the politicians in the state of Utah before I ran, but I spoke to Mitt Romney and Mitt said, man, Jeff, you know, whatever, I think you'd be great. This would be cool. But you have young kids at home. I, I don't know if I would do this when I had young. And I said, Mitt, you know, when you ran first ran for governor in Massachusetts, didn't you have kids at home? And he was like, yeah, but they were older. Anyways, it isn't easy to do with, I, you know, I have a, a nine-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 16-year-old at home. And so that was not, that was not easy to do at all. And then maybe the last thing, it's interesting. We think of our political leaders and we say that word like political leaders. But one of the things that I realized and learned, and it's, it's a little disheartening, but it makes sense, is that a lot of politics and a lot of government is often about what I would kind of call fake leadership. It's really not about leadership. A lot of politicians kind of see the way that the people are going or where the, yeah. you know, where people are going and then that's where they go. So when things are going great, they're at the head of the parade kind of saying, you know, here I am, I've been here all along, you know, I'm, I'm leading good things. When things do not go well, it's kind of the opposite. They are not there. You can't, they're nowhere to be found. And so really politics is part leadership and it's part the art being there when good news is happening and not being there when bad news is happening. I mean, it's this really interesting. <laughs> it's not leadership in the same way that I'd experienced it in startups or in 
service organizations or, or other things. So well, it's here, I'll, three or four things. I'll just give you an example. Learned, but there's so much, of course, that I learned. No, those are great, Jeff. And I'll just give you one example. So you said this earlier and I caught on to it. I don't know if anyone else listening did. We were talking about hiring and you said it was my fault. It was my fault. Yeah. And how often do we hear yeah. those words from the leadership in government. It was my fault. I take responsibility for that. You know, those are non-existent words almost. <laughs> it's always him or yeah. her or them. So yeah, that's a great point. And so here's what we want to do. I got about, we got about five minutes left here. Now looking at, you know, your personal life, you've been a dad, you've gone through all of these different things. Just personally, what are one or two of the most impactful lessons learned that you could share with us? Along the way, you said, look, if I could go back to the 20-year-old version of myself, I would share some of these lessons learned. Yeah. Let me share three come to mind. I'll be quick. One minute for each. Number one, in my experience, think about all the fears that you've ever had, Rob. And I'd invite our listeners to think about all the fears that you've ever had. I'm saying from like growing up, there's a monster under my bed to, you know, whatever your fear is now. And how many of those fears have really come true? My experience is that I'm a 43-year-old guy is that, you know, fear can sometimes play a protective role and sometimes play a good role. But in my opinion, and in my life, fear almost always plays a destructive role in life. So too often we let, you know, concern for a past that we can't change or fear of an unknown future that none of us controls affect our decisions in like ever present now. I encourage people that I talk to, to make decisions, not out of fear, but out of faith and out of love and make your best decision now and go with it. And then again, and go with it. I just don't think that fear, I think that fear plays a destructive role in our world and in most of our individual lives. So that'd be one. That's a great comment, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, and these obviously, I think these lessons are also top of mind right now based on, you know, what's going on in our world with COVID-19 and, of course, the terrible things that we're seeing here in the United States with violence, unneeded violence and the Black Lives Matter movement, et cetera. So the second thing is I've traveled to, I don't know, over 50 countries, 50-something countries. I've lived in a couple other countries My observation through my life so far is that no matter our differences, and we are all unique, we are all different, but no matter our religion, our ethnicity, our race, our sexual orientation, our net worth, no matter the differences in all those things, I think that we are all, all of us, I'm saying in all the world, we are all a lot more alike then we are different. Now, there are loud voices in government, in media, in entertainment, et cetera, that try to drive wedges in, in between us. And there are legitimate concerns in between us. I'm not saying, and there are legitimate differences. I am not saying that there aren't differences and that those should not be spoken about and dealt with at all. But what I am saying is we should remember as we're going through the hardest times in our lives that we all are a lot more alike than we are different. We all want similar things. We want to love. We want to be loved. We want success in our own way. We want to be at peace. 
We want to be good people. I believe that 99.3% or thereabouts, maybe more of us are good people. Honestly, just trying our best. We're all flawed. We all make mistakes, but I really believe that we're all trying our best. And then the last quick lesson, number three, that kind of dovetails into all of this is taking that into account we live in a world of massive comparison. It doesn't matter if you're watching oh, TV, yes. if you're on social media. It's all about comparing ourselves to others. And I believe that comparison is the thief of joy. Boy, when yes. we compare ourselves to others, not only does it hurt us, but it hurts others as well. So one thing that I've been thinking a lot about in the last couple of years is compassion over comparison. And because everyone is struggling with something and because we all are a lot more alike than we are different, we need to exercise compassion in our daily lives. We need to have compassion for people of all, you know, challenges and all different because we all need compassion. When is the last time, Rob, that someone and I'm, I guess I could ask myself this as a public figure Jeff, when is the last time someone gave you the benefit of the doubt as a public figure when I was running for governor or whatever? <laughs> and I would, that just does not happen anymore, Rob. We are constantly second-guessing each other's motives. We are constantly comparing ourselves to others. And it's, it's destructive. And I would encourage your listeners and everyone in the world to exercise compassion, spend more time having empathy for others and less time comparing oh. yourself to others and your life to others. So, so those, three thoughts for you. those three tips just made this whole podcast worth it. 10 X. <laughs> I mean, uh, I hope so. in I other words, I, I mean, so many good lessons learned across the board, but those two in particular, Jeff, two of those three really resonated with me and what I've been seeing, you know, personally with my family, friends, and a lot of people fear is such a powerful motivator. And I agree that we've all been victim of our fears. And I love what you said there with compassion over comparison. In fact, to that point, I took a six-week social media break. Now, I've been on Facebook periodically to share a couple things like a podcast here and there. But I've really taken a six-week break. And subconsciously, it's interesting because no matter what on Facebook or name the social media site, it's so easy for our subconscious to compare in different aspects of our life. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's family. You know, look at Look at the family that person has. Oh, if I had that. Or, you know, look at how they get to travel. And oh, and this. You know what I mean? It just, and I love yeah. what Oprah, went, so here's my difference. I just got back on social media this morning. I said, I'm getting back on social media for one reason. And that is to post uplifting, motivational things. And that's it. So this morning, in my first post back, I just shared something from Oprah Winfrey. And she said, be thankful for what you have and you'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. And it just seems like it's so easy to do this in our world where there's this hyper-competitive environment and culture. And so those yeah. are just two things that stood out to me that really are spot on, you know, from what we're seeing in the world. So first of all, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your thoughts and your wisdom, your experience. And one more time for all our listeners, I know you have your podcast that you're just barely starting. What's it called again and how do they find that? Yeah, it's called Us. The Extraordinary Ordinary. So I kind of talk about how all of us are extraordinary in our own ways, but we're just ordinary people. And so, yeah, the podcast is called Us. It's on, you know, any platform. Please 
yeah, I would love to take a listen. I'm interviewing. I had the Huntsman's on from here in Utah a couple weeks ago. I've had a band on, you know, like just interesting people doing cool things that are sharing light in the world. It's, it's all about the stories about us, about people doing the very best they can. And we, yeah, I would love your listeners to check it out and, you know, give it a rating and review. That'd be great. That would be great. I hope that everyone listening can do that. So Jeff Burningham's podcast, Jeff, thanks so much for being on the show. Any parting comments that you want to share? No, if I could, Rob, so how did, what was the effect of being off for six weeks? How did you feel? What did you think? You know, it was amazing and it's not easy to do. (laughs) Uh, The other thing that I'll say, tried is a weak word. You know, anytime we use the word try, that's a weak word. I'll try and do that. I tried to stay off of the mainstream media as well, but I found myself, you know, going back to Fox News and other places and that one was actually harder for me. But it was, if I could use one word, Jeff, it would be this word, liberating. And I would consider myself to be very blessed. I've been blessed with a great family. We have a great place. We have a couple of horses that we ride. And just, you know, we live in a beautiful area. But back to your comment and Oprah Winfrey's, there's this subconscious, and I just feel like it's a subconscious comparison. It's not done intentionally. But when we are spending, you know, take an hour of our day on any type of social media, there is this subconscious comparison that happens. Not to mention all the... You know, there, uh, here's one more. Now you're reversing this. Now it's about me. <laughs> there's, this, like there's this acronym that we use, G-I-G-O. And oftentimes we say, you know, garbage in, garbage out. And I believe that's exactly true. What we put in is what we can expect to get out. If we put garbage in, the emotions, our thoughts coming out will also be like that. If we flip that around and say greatness in, greatness out, you know, if we put greatness in, then we can in turn expect greatness out in our thoughts, in our emotions, in the way we treat ourselves and others. And there is so much on social media that would fit the first one more, garbage in, garbage out, that that's why I felt like it was liberating. I was taking a lot of that vitriol that's out there and taking it out of my life. And so it really was liberating. And that's why as I come back to it, I'm coming back very intentional as to what I'm going to do. I'm not surfing through it five minutes max a day on it. And my intent is just to bring uplifting and positive comments, quotes, insights, and thoughts. And that's it. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. And as you know, I announced a month or two ago that I'm looking at starting a new media company. And and the whole point of the media company, it's not even really a I mean, for-profit venture. It's really just to put good content into the world. It's just to get some good stuff out there. And people can choose to consume it or not. It's up to them. But And the Us podcast, my podcast is kind of the first foray into that. Although I've started writing write a book here in the next six months and we'll be releasing that. So there is a lot of garbage out there. Let's just make sure there's a lot of greatness <laughs> or good out there. Rob, what you're doing in the world to make sure that there is. Congratulations, and thanks for being a good friend. Well, thank you, Jeff, and thanks for coming on the podcast, and we appreciate it, and hope everyone will take into account this, share it with some other people who are important to you, and let's again spread the word, greatness in, greatness out. So thanks, Jeff, and we hope all our listeners have a wonderful day and a great week. Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888-690-8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. Or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, 
trainer certification, or personal coaching, it would be our pleasure to serve your needs. Once again, call 888-690-8764 or visit becomingyourbest.com today.